so good to uh, see everyone. It's so great to be in church today and so much happening. I just want to say if you're with us either in the room for the first time or you're online with us, you know, so many people tell us uh, we watched online for about six weeks before we showed up at a service. Well, we just want to say you're so welcome. Welcome home. Welcome to Icon Church. Come on, church. Let's welcome everyone today and then you can take, take your seats. Fantastic. Uh, they've given me 31 minutes and 22 seconds. That's very precise, isn't it? Isn't that brilliant? But they've not started it yet, so it's great. Uh, yeah. So we are going to uh, today dive back into Habakkuk. And before I do that, I just want to say last week was our vision offering, special day in the life of our church. Every October, we have a gift day. And uh, we used to call it Rise and Build. We've changed it because it's a new season and uh, to vision offering. And uh, we, I just want to say a massive thank you to everyone who's given into the vision offering. We will announce the total given to vision offering next week. We always have a, a break Sunday in the middle. Um, just some people want to catch up. Some people obviously uh, aren't there on the week and want to catch up the following week. So we will announce next Sunday. And uh, I know we're going to have a great celebration together just because of what God has done and is doing. So I want to get into Habakkuk part two. And let me, because we had that break last week for vision offering, let me recap a little bit part one. Uh, the thing that fascinated me about Habakkuk really, or fascinates me about Habakkuk, is the fact that all the prophets in the Old Testament, uh, speaking to difficult times in the nation of Israel or the nation of Judah, and they speak into difficult times, but many of the prophets, particularly the minor prophets, blame the people and say it's our unfaithfulness, it's our sin, and uh, we've turned away from God, and therefore this calamity or that calamity is coming upon us. But Habakkuk starts his prophecy. And remember, he was a worship leader. He was a professional prophet, as much as we know about him, in the temple. He led worship in the temple, just like the guys were doing this morning. He starts his prophecy blaming God. He sets out, and that fascinates me about Habakkuk. And he particularly has two complaints with God in chapter one, the first, the first is there's all this sin happening, there's all this stuff happening, and rather than blaming the people, Habakkuk says, where are you, God? Where are you, God? Why don't you do something? He's completely honest with God about how he feels. God responds to Habakkuk quite quickly and he said, I've got it. I'm doing more in the background than in front of your face. I'm doing things you don't know. In fact, he says... I'm going to use the Babylonians to judge Judah. And Habakkuk says, well, I wanted you to do something, God, but I didn't want you to do that. There's no way. This is his second complaint. No way, God. You've got to be kidding. You cannot be serious. How can you use a more rebellious nation to judge a more righteous nation? It's not fair. I want you to move but I don't want you to do that. I want you to do something. Have you ever been there in your life? I want you to do something, God, but don't do that. Well, eventually Habakkuk calms down a little bit as God begins to speak to him. And he writes these verses at the beginning of chapter two, Habakkuk two, verses one to three. Then the Lord replied, so then the Lord replied, he's writing what God has said to him. Write down the revelation, the vision and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. 
For the revelation waits an appointed time. It speaks of an end and will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. Would you join, would you humor me and just say with me after three, wait for it. One, two, three, wait for it. Would you turn the, tell the person next to you, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. That's my title this morning, wait for it. I was thinking about some of the things we've had to wait for in life. And I was thinking about when Nathan was born. Uh, we went to church on Sunday night, you know, right up until uh, the due date, and, and Jeannie was there, and we, and we knew the baby uh, was ready after we got home. And I said to Jeannie, I said to Jeannie, I said, you know, if you, in the middle of the night, just wake me up if you need to go to the hospital, because I think, I think you're ready. I don't know how we knew, but we knew. I won't go into all the gynecological reasons we thought we knew, but we knew. And so Jeannie shook me in the middle of the night and said, the baby's coming, we need to go. I said, do we have to? <laughs> she shook me. Well, I thought it was going to be quick. And I said to Jeannie, yeah, like you were in labor for about 22 hours, weren't you? She said, no. 22 hours, 45 minutes I was in labor. She remembers that wait. I, I was thinking about uh, taking some... Um, uh, uh, relief and some support years ago into Romania to the orphanages to help when all of that under the Ceausescu regime all that kicked off and, and I remember coming back we went to Romania first then we were going to visit some churches in Poland and I remember coming back through the Romanian-Hungarian borders and just this long line of traffic and a guy coming up to the car, knocking on the window, and says, you are going to be waiting here for eight hours unless you give me $50. If you give me $50, I can get you to the second queue. And I thought, well, if we go into the second queue, then we're going to have another $50 to get to the first queue. So we gave them a Snickers bar and got through in 20 minutes. <laughs> It's a true story. It's a lot longer than that, but it's a true story. Uh, my grandmother used to get ready for church on Sunday mornings, and she would sit in the living room in her hat and her coat with her shoes on, like at least 30 minutes before she was going to get picked up for church. We think waiting is bad, but not all waiting is bad. In fact, research is now telling us that you know, the, the processing of our foods, for example, is becoming too fast in the West and leading to an increase of things like intolerance. It's why they say a Mediterranean diet is much better and healthier for us because they process food slower. And because they do that, it allows toxins, if that's the right word, toxins more time to break down naturally and therefore not end, enter our lives, our bodies. I read this quote in a book maybe a couple of years ago from Nassim Nicholas Taleb. He said, anything you do to optimize your work, to cut some corners or squeeze more efficiency out of it, will eventually make you dislike it. Scrambled eggs in the microwave is a great example of that. Maybe not waiting is bad sometimes. Let me say that again, maybe not waiting. I had a friend who was going to swim the English Channel, and uh, 
it was a fascinating story. Apparently, when you're going to swim the English Channel, you're given a window of seven days. You're given a window of seven days, and you've got to be ready. You've got to be able to go, leave work, get there, and, uh, because they will tell you when the right conditions are for you to swim. And I, I remember the first time, a seven-day period, his window had come, and uh, he was ready, and the right conditions didn't come. And so he had to uh, wait for a second time, a second window, and eventually he swam the English Channel. The English Channel Swimming Association say when it comes to swimming that stretch of water, not waiting is bad. Waiting is good. You know, I was thinking that waiting is better than quitting, right? <laughs> so true, isn't it? Better than quitting. I think in the Bible characters, Abraham promised a son. And he waited 25 years for God's promise to be fulfilled. He could have quit. In fact, he tried to quit. Caleb crossed the Red Sea and, they, and came out of slavery with the Israelites out of Egypt. And he was age 45. And he was one of only two spies, Joshua and Caleb, who said, we can go into the promised land. We can take the promised land. But he had to wait 40 years for that promise to be fulfilled. When at the age of 85, he went to Moses, uh, sorry, he went to Joshua, the new leader, and said, you know, Moses promised me this hill country. I'm ready to receive the promise. 85 years of age. Hey, your age is just a number. There's still a promise from God on your life. Imagine if these guys had quit and these girls had quit because they had to wait. Waiting can be good for us, but I know that none of us want to wait. I want to say this this morning. I'll say it a few times. God's promises always have a waiting time, but waiting has a purpose. Priscilla Shira's great preacher, she says this, the emphasis in modern times on instant gratification has left us depleted and anemic in our faith. We are secretly discouraged and doubtful when we don't see immediate evidence of God's work to suit our personal personally designed timetable. Habakkuk had two complaints. Where are you, God? Why don't you do something? And then after his second complaint, don't do that. You know, his second complaint, don't use the Babylonians. The prophet says, I will wait for an answer. We don't know how long he waited. Habakkuk 2 and verse 1 says, I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he will say to me and what answer I am to give to this complaint. God's promises always have a waiting time, but waiting has a purpose. I want to dig into that thought today of the purpose of waiting in for the promise of God. And I've got four thoughts I want to share with you. The first is this, waiting trusts God's promise. Waiting trusts God's promise. Uh, Habakkuk 2 verse 3, we read it. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of an end and will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. Though it linger, wait for it. Wait for it. It's coming. Uh, I, I don't know if, uh, like me, you can remember your first gig uh, and uh, when the band left the stage and you were about to leave the concert hall or the arena because you thought that was it. But I remember being there and my 
Uh, I, I didn't know what the convention around en- encores was. I didn't know the band left the stage but then came back. It's like the second coming being worked out, isn't it? And I didn't know. And I, I'm, a, I'm like, is it time to go? And my friend says, no, wait for it. They're coming back. I asked Joel Phantom this morning because... Uh, he, you know, he's, he's kind of, um, he goes to quite a few gigs. I said, what's the longest you've waited for an encore to start? And he said, it's about 20 minutes. And you know they're coming back. You know they're coming back. But 20 minutes, that's a long time. I love this verse a little later in Habakkuk chapter 2. For the earth, Habakkuk says, will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. This book starts out bleak. But it ends with Habakkuk believing that God's glory is not just going to come back to Israel, but it's going to cover the earth. The nation is in a poor state. The people are rebelling against God. The Babylonian kingdom is rising. Habakkuk has seen Israel in the north taken captive by the Assyrians, actually completely destroyed. And now he thinks that's going to happen in the south, but he still gets to a place that the whole earth is going to be filled with the glory of God. Let me give you a quick piece of Old Testament history, super quick, so stay with me. Under David, King David, which is known as the Golden Period, Israel is one kingdom, united under one king. Uh, This led to real prosperity under his son Solomon, who took on the kingship after him. And Israel under Solomon was still one kingdom. But then when Solomon died, after his death, his two sons, they were called Baz and Gaz. Not really. Jeroboam and Rehoboam. Like I'm just prophesying. Baz and Gaz, if you're twin boys, it's all right. You know, Jeroboam and Rehoboam fought over who should be king. And the kingdom split. And so you have this period where there's two kingdoms in Israel. There's Israel in the north and there's Judah in the south. Israel has been split into two kingdoms and the northern kingdom captured by the Assyrians and destroyed by them. And the Babylonians, this new empire on the block, are coming now for the southern kingdom of Judah. So this book starts out bleak. But look look at God's promise that we've just read. For all the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Wait for it, Abacook saith. God's coming back. It's coming. In this verse, we see that God's promises can go beyond our expectations. All the earth, not just Israel, all the earth will be filled. God's not just planning on dealing with the immediate situation and the immediate problem. And the future that they were going to face in exile. But he was preparing for a day then when he would send his son, Jesus. And through Jesus, his son, he would bless the whole earth. Even Chesterfield, Stocksbridge, Derby, Rotherham and Sheffield. He would bless the whole cosmos through Jesus. And I love at the end of the scriptures in the book of Revelation. We see this fulfilled. Revelation chapter 7 verses 9 and 10. After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. That's Jesus, the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, waiting, trusts God's promises. 
Are you waiting? Are you waiting? I think God wants someone to know today. He want just, doesn't want just to fulfill the promise. He wants to go beyond it. God's promises always have a waiting time, but the waiting has a purpose. God wants us today to trust his promise. Wait for it. The second thing, the second thought is this, that waiting trusts God's timing. For the revelation, Habakkuk says in verse 3 of chapter 2, the revelation waits an appointed time. It speaks of an end and will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. It will not delay. That seems strange because I've got to wait for it. No, it won't be late on God's timetable. It won't delay. It won't, it won't linger any longer than God has said. It will not delay. There's an appointed time. I, I love the fact that in that waiting period, it helps us, it gives us time to clarify what God wants to do and the vision and to make it plain. I think of uh, Bono, the lead singer of U2 and their one campaign. And you know, their, their vision statement is so clear, make poverty history. You can't be any clearer than that. I think about our vision statement as Icon Church, human flourishing. I think when we're waiting for God to move, you know, we can clarify and make plain what God wants to do. We believe, don't we, that the best is yet to come. I want to thank again everyone today who gave into the vision offering. And we'll have a great celebration next week when we announce what's been given. And I, I know that people give because we believe that God has got more to do. We believe there's more lives to be transformed, more people to be saved, more people to be baptized. Most of our church we haven't met yet, but we're looking forward to meeting a few of them pretty soon, eh? In part one of this series, we talked about how God is the judge, and you can trust him with the future, and you can trust him to do what is right, and therefore we don't need to hold on to bitterness or fear or anxiety or hatred because we can trust that God will take care of that and God will take care of people and do what is right. But Habakkuk is not just about God judging and doing what is right. It's also about God's promise that his glory is coming. His glory is coming to cover the earth. It's about God renewing all things. We might say it's about God making all things new. And whether that's in your life or my life or whether it's in our nation or whether it's in the whole cosmos, God's promise is that he is able and willing to make all things new. God gives us a promise and we trust his timing on the promise. I remember one day just on a car journey, I think I was going to Lincoln and I, I was so excited about that day. I was getting to do something I'd always dreamt of doing and wanted to do and I was doing it for the first time and as I'm driving I remember this is what I prayed for 10 years ago it happened to be 10 years ago 10 years when I prayed I thought God would do it in six weeks but 10 years God's promises always have a waiting time but the waiting has a purpose waiting trust God's timing wait for it Come on, why don't you preach back at me and say, Paul, wait for it this morning. Come on, after three, one, two, three. Paul, wait for it. Number three, waiting is our act of faithfulness. We're called to be faithful. 
Faithful to one another, right? Faithful to God. We're called to be faithful because that's what our God is like. And waiting is our time of faithfulness. It's our time of obedience. Abraham kept looking for a city. He kept believing for a son. And he got to know God in the process. He got to know more of what God was like. Noah was told to build a hot, an ark. And he, he, he just kept at it for 120 years. He just kept going. Another nail, another piece of wood, another, another layer, whatever. He kept building. David, who was promised to be king, as a teenager, but didn't become a king till he was 30, he tried to serve the current king, Joseph, who had that great promise of even his father and mother bowing down to him, served Potiphar and then Pharaoh. Habakkuk says to us about the vision, write it down, make it plain, because when we wait faithfully, others catch the vision. Look, look what Habakkuk 2.2 2 says. Then the Lord replied, write down the vision and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. You see, this vision wasn't just God and Habakkuk having a little chat and you know, Habakkuk having a tantrum and God saying, I'm going to help you. No, this was a vision that was to go throughout the whole land. And a herald would run from town to town, village to village, proclaiming the vision, proclaiming the prophecy. And as he ran, she ran in, into those villages and towns, people would catch the vision. The whole earth is going to be filled with the glory of the Lord. Yeah, God is going to judge us. But there's another day coming when God's coming back. Wait for it. You may not know it, but you're trusting God. Your faithfulness to him, your love for him is infecting someone else. I want to tell you, every single one of us, it's infecting. You don't know it, but it's happening. Trust me, you're having an influence. I don't know who gave me this cold, but I, this is the third cold I've had. I've had a cold for six weeks now, and I'm looking for you, whoever you are. You infected me. I got a cold. I was getting over the cold. I had the flu jab. I, wasn't, I got another cold. I was getting over that one, and now I've got another one. But your faithfulness to God, though you can't see it, is infecting somebody. Your obedience to Jesus is infecting you know, when you decide to answer the question, what would Jesus do if he were me in this situation? What would Jesus say? How would Jesus respond? How would Jesus react? When you decide to do that, you're having an incredible influence on someone else. Waiting faithfully also allows us to pray. I love what Peter says in 1 Peter 4 and verse 7. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Don't stop praying. This waiting is our act of faithfulness. Don't stop praying. Don't stop believing. Don't let criticism or comparison or somebody's Insta image or Facebook post steal your joy or your trust. Keep praying. Keep believing. Keep speaking. Keep, keep talking faith. God is working. Keep praying. Keep praying for your family. Keep praying for your neighbor. Keep praying for that person that you work with. Keep praying for that person who, who's doing you harm. Your, whoever it is, keep praying for your church. God's promises always have a waiting time. But waiting has a purpose. Waiting is our act of faithfulness. Wait for it. 
And the fourth thing, and the band are going to come back and as we close, waiting renews us. Waiting renews us. These are the purposes that God has in those, that gap of waiting. Isaiah 40 and verse 31. Many of you know this verse. It says, those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Oh, I, I, like I can, I can feel it. I can feel it as I say it. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Their strength will be renewed. Uh, waiting in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew consciousness, is, uh, is not like waiting for a bus or waiting, who's leading the song, you? Leading, or waiting for me to finish, or oh, Judith, is it you? It's always you, isn't it? It's always you. Oh, or waiting for me to finish this message because I've got 30 minutes to go. No, you're all right. It, it's, not that, it's not that concept of waiting. It's actually trusting. It's trusting. It's having full expectation. When waiting in Old Testament consciousness, and in that place of waiting with expectation, expectation that God's timing will be good, that God will fulfill his promise, in that waiting, in that trusting, our strength is renewed. You know, as I was driving here this morning, a strange verse came into my mind. It was this, they looked to their Lord and their faces were lightened. I just feel I've got to say, don't let anything rob your joy. Don't let the waiting rob your joy. Don't let the discouragement or the disappointment or, or the gap, like don't let it rob your joy. Look to the Lord and have your face lightened. In waiting, our strength is renewed. In waiting, we're made ready. In trusting, we are made ready. In waiting, in the trusting, our hope is quickened. You can lose hope, but God can quicken hope. Our Christmas theme this year is going to be hope is here. Because hope is a person. His name is Jesus. Hope is here. I believe God is doing it right now. I believe as, as I speak, maybe you're watching online or maybe you're in this service this morning. God is renewing your hope. The Holy Spirit's bringing something into your heart, into your mind. Your face is being lightened and lifted today. Wait and hope are synonymous. We can translate these verses. In fact, some have the verse we just read. Not those who wait, but those who hope in the Lord shall renew their strength. Hope isn't the absence of fear. Hope is the presence of God. It's Jesus. And we are renewed in his presence. Would you stand with me? We're going to pray. Because I believe... God, in this moment, wants to renew some of our strength today, wants to strengthen us today. I want to finish with two verses, and then I want to pray, pray for us. And I just want to ask you to believe that in this moment, you know, the thing about coming to church is we're not just coming to a, a club, we're not just coming to a building, we're not just coming to meet some friends, or though I hope we've all got friends, but we're coming into the presence of God. And in the presence of God, miracles can happen. 
in the presence of God, our perspective can be shifted and God's spirit can move. So let me read these two verses. It's Psalm 37, both from Psalm 37. The first one, verse nine says, those who are evil will be destroyed, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. God's got a promise, something for you and I to inherit. And as we hope in him, as we wait for him, we will inherit the land. God has got something for us. The second one is Psalm 37, 34. says the similar thing. Hope in the Lord and keep his way. He will exalt you to inherit the land. And when the wicked are destroyed, you will see it. God's promises always have a waiting time. But the waiting has a purpose. And in these verses, it talks of being exalted or lifted up. And I just feel that God wants to lift us up today. Wants to lift up our hope, lift up our expectation, to lift up our strength, to be, for that to be lifted up. But I also felt, and I felt, I just felt that that word inherit means something for somebody today. I don't know that God wants to restore some inheritance that you felt was lost. I don't know what that means, but I want to pray for it. And I want you to receive it because I believe God wants to restore it. If you need hope, if you need strength, if you need something restored in your life today, whatever that is, I'd love to pray for that. And I believe our world needs all of this. So we're going to pray for our world. Is that okay? But come on, just right now. Just bow your heads and just receive. And then we're going to worship. Father, I thank you for your promise today to lift us up. I thank you for your promise that whilst your promise always has a waiting time, that waiting time has a purpose. And I thank you that those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. I thank you, God, today that our hope will be lifted up. Father God, that you will take off of us disappointments and discouragements today. and Our hope in you will be lifted up today. And that actually we'll receive today from the Holy Spirit in these moments new hope and fresh vision and fresh passion for your purposes. That our strength today will be lifted up, restored in Jesus' name. And if something has been taken from us, something that we have lost, Father God, I thank you that that is being restored in Jesus' name today. And I pray for our world. Our world needs hope. Our world needs strength. Our world needs a restoration, Lord, that can only come through the presence and the person of Jesus Christ. And we pray today, Lord, send revival. Lord, do it now. Father, God, a move of your spirit in Jesus' name. We ask you for that, Lord. We ask you to revive your church, to revive your people, that we might do what is right and see you move in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen.